Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. I'm very honored and excited for our conversation today with my guest, Dr. Valerie Rain, and she is someone I actually heard her on another mentor of mine's podcast um, with Eleanor Beaton, and as soon as I heard kind of her journey and story and what she had to share, I was like, oh, we need to have this conversation. She's also got an amazing book out called Patriarchy Stress Disorder, which we will talk about, but Dr. Valerie is a psychologist a psychologist and women's mental health expert who has discovered patriarchy stress disorder, otherwise known as PSD, and created the only science-backed system for helping women achieve their ultimate success, happiness, and fulfillment by healing the intergenerational trauma of oppression. She holds um, degrees in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD in psychology from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. And her number one Amazon bestselling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment, has been heralded by reviewers as the most important body of literary work of our modern times and perhaps the most important, important book of the century for women. And our cutting edge programs have helped thousands of women shift from how much can I bear to how good can it get from surviving to thriving to work their work in in both their work and their personal lives. So Dr. Valerie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Alex. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this conversation. And I will say after I heard your interview, I I've read about 75% of your book. I was like really hoping to get it done before we talked, but I got most of the way there. Um and I will say it's what you have to share is quite profound and I think has a a huge impact for women everywhere dealing with life in general. Um, So before, before we launch in, I I like to just kind of hear a little bit of your own version of your story and and kind of what brought you to this point in your life and your career. Um, Yeah. um, I think my journey wasn't um, much different from a journey of any girl living on the patriarchy. I kept getting messages growing up that were spelling out for me that something was wrong with me. Something was wrong with me and I just could never get it right. I I was getting messages, don't be too smart. No one would want to marry you. Don't laugh so loud. People don't like that. Um, the messages were along the lines of I gotta walk a very a very straight and narrow line to try to be okay uh, and I kept failing and I went on to study psychology to figure out what's wrong with me once and for all and fix it and two graduate degrees later I was having living the life that I uh, I've always wanted and I worked so hard for. I had a thriving private practice in New York. I had a beautiful family, a lovely home in New York City suburbs. 
And if you had asked me, Valerie, are you happy? I would have said, absolutely. I, absolutely, I'm happy. I have everything I ever wanted. And one day I was on the, on the phone with a client when I noticed I was smiling only with the right side of my face and the left side of my face just hung there, as did my left arm. And I ended up in the emergency room uh, where I drove myself using my right arm. I ended up in the emergency room with symptoms of a stroke, which thankfully, after hours of scanning me up and down, they ruled out and they gave me the diagnosis of just stress, which was very uh, a huge relief and also a huge surprise because I did not feel stressed. I felt normal. I felt exactly the same way I felt probably my entire life. And so as I was lying there on the hospital gurney in that pretty uncomfortable hospital gown, I've had the time to think and feel for the first time in a long time as a mom, as a professional. And what I was feeling was very, very uncomfortable, even more uncomfortable than a hospital gown, because that question, what's wrong with me, was still alive and well at it had been buried by work. It had been buried by busyness. However, it showed up at the first opportunity. And here I was trying to figure out, well, first of all, what was creating this amount of stress in my system unbeknownst to me? And, and second, was something so broken was I so, uh, something was so wrong with me that despite years of self-help, personal development, years in therapy, being a therapist myself, I just couldn't figure this out. I just couldn't write whatever wrong um, that that was with me. And this this moment really catalyzed this Rottweiler-like commitment to cracking this open. And the answers started coming my way through the discoveries in the field of epigenetics that were show, showing that trauma is genetically transmitted. Trauma is genetically transmitted. And that was quite a revelation. And that's not something the field of psychology was talking about after many years in therapy trying to figure out what's wrong with me. That never came up. Oh, maybe you inherited some of that stuff. Let alone the trauma of oppression. That was not on the radar um, at all in the conventional psychological conversations. And yet here we were as women have having been, uh, having been oppressed for thousands of years, for thousands of years, having been carrying the trauma of oppression uh, through patriarchy and for women of color and particularly for black women, uh, this intersectional trauma doubling as the trauma of racism and slavery. And, and yet 
that was not being acknowledged. That was not being talked about. And all the fields of personal development and psychology and coaching were all that set on helping women figure out what's wrong with them and fix it. And I realized that I was not playing that game anymore. There was nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with anyone else. Um, There was nothing to fix, but there was something to heal. And so that, that's how this became my mission and uh, my work in the world, helping women uncover this intergenerational trauma of oppression, which I termed patriarchy stress disorder or PSD. And once and for all, bust the myth that there is something wrong with them and they need fixing. Thankfully, from the field of epigenetics, we know that not only trauma is genetically transmitted, but so is healing. And so every time we uncover this trauma in ourselves, we heal ourselves, this is what we're passing down to our children and everyone around us. So this is much bigger than us. And um, this has become a very exciting adventure for what what it has had to reveal um, to me and um, our clients. Absolutely. There's lots that we can unpack there. Um, Mm -hmm. Starting with, I I think the place to start, and we, we can get into epigenetics a little bit as well, but let's you know, define trauma because, and you talk about this in your book, there's, and I know for a lot of women who have had trauma experience, like capital T trauma, and we, we can talk about that. Um, like that's, for example, myself, I've been through some of that and it took me a while to admit that it was trauma because we tend to look at trauma as like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's kind of like sin, right? Like, oh, well, my, it's not as bad as somebody else's, so it must not be right. real. So mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't that bad. To use <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so how do you define trauma for our listeners to just to start to understand? And there's the, you know, stuff that happens to us and then also the stuff that we're carrying from our past. So let's maybe just define that as a starting point? Yeah, I, I've i come to define trauma as any, any event or experience that made it feel unsafe for you mm-hmm. to be in your fullest authentic expression, to be who you are, either psychologically unsafe or physically unsafe or both. And it doesn't matter how big or small the experience was. If it created the imprint of, oh, it's not safe. And the imprint is in the subconscious. And it resulted in creating trauma adaptations around it. That is all these mechanisms that exist in our, exist in our minds, in our bodies, in our subconscious minds that are designed to keep us safe from experiencing this ever again. Then then that creates that trauma picture. You have to have trauma adaptations. You have to have a moment when, uh, or sometimes it's more than a moment. Sometimes it's a prolonged feeling of not not feeling safe and the resulting trauma adaptations. So that's what creates the whole trauma cluster and experience. It's not the severity of the experience. Two people can go... through an experience of the same severity and one will emerge traumatized and the other one will not have that traumatic imprint. So 
um, let's not judge ourselves and uh, enter ourselves yeah. into imaginary yeah. competitions of like, was it bad enough uh, to yeah. qualify as trauma? But let's be very attentive to what we know from our bodies because our bodies will tell us exactly, exactly if uh, there is trauma there. Yeah, I, I know um, my own journey kind of beginning earlier this year, and then I, I heard your story and found your book, and I was like, oh, this is marrying so much stuff together. But, mm. you know, especially, and I know you work with high achieving women as well, and that's a lot of who listens to the show. Like, we're so in our heads that most of us aren't connected at all to our bodies. <laughs> and yeah. so we, yeah. we have no kind of like, you know, you sharing, not really feeling stressed. Like, that's just such our normal. Mm hmm operative state that we have no idea that we're actually mm -hmm. struggling with some of this stuff yeah which in and of itself is a symptom of trauma if we're not mm -hmm. in our bodies we're not in our bodies because it's not safe for us to be in our bodies and chances yeah. are we haven't been in our bodies for a very long time a lot of it is inherited some of it might have been due to the personal experiences that we've had and there's definitely a big cultural disembodiment. We're living in a very disembodied culture. So and not only are we not taught an embodied living uh, experience, we don't necessarily have role models around that. Um, and when we do go through traumatic experiences, it uh, makes it so much more difficult to find our way back to heal um, because again, there's just no culture of embodiment in the overculture, right? That we're living in. Um, there, there may be, you know, subcultures that people belong to where it's practiced more, but certainly not the overculture. So finding our way back to our bodies is is both. Um, it is a trauma healing journey in in and of itself. And it is a journey of learning how to live a life, basically, in a way that is preventing new, new traumas from, from forming. Because when we're in touch with our own direct experience, we can move it through the body, we can process it uh, using embodied tools. And it just enriches our experience of life. Right when we're yeah. living in, in our bodies, not in our heads, and and frankly, I had no idea that I was not living in my body. I had not as not not a clue. I remember I was in my PhD program, and it was an integrative program in that there, there was some emphasis on embodiment and uh, spirituality and. Um, different things that were not conventional. And one of my professors pointed out to me, I was sharing something and he was like, he actually took my, my, my arms into his hands and started like knocking my forearms against my head and saying, how do you embody all this brilliance? I was like, I don't know how, but this definitely is not it. It's not it. <laughs> and uh, it's not working. And I had no idea what he even meant. I think I had maybe an inkling, but I have never had an experience. And I was, yeah, I was in my 30s at the time. I've never had an experience that would 
I would describe as being in my body, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of frightening, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there's times that we would maybe hope that we would be in our body, like, you know, and being intimate with a partner, something like that. But I, and I think you talk about in your book, you know, some of the ways to connect, like, especially if we're say struggling to, I wasn't planning to go here, but we're just going here, you know, Mm -hmm. struggling to orgasm or, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that we deal with, especially as we age, a lot of that has more to do with not being present in our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so mind boggling because, you know, I've, I've always loved sex and I've always had orgasms and maybe those were like flashes of grace of like being in my body, which is like <laughs> a moment, <laughs> just like yeah. enough time to like register an orgasmic experience. But also there are, there are degrees, I, I think, right. It's not like black and white here. I am completely not in my body and here I'm completely in my body. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I think the needles the needle definitely moved but um after getting on on the path of discovering trauma and how it lives in the body and um working with the tools to heal it that revolutionized my relationship with my body completely with sex that went absolutely to a whole new level and just the experience of living anything from just moving through my day to cuddling with my daughter to just feeling all the feelings um whatever they are um yeah that's just night and day i i don't even know how i um existed before well in my head but that I can now relate a lot of the things that were just not satisfying in my life to existing in my head, but that's not something I ever heard from my therapists, right? They were also existing in their heads and uh, they would have been very surprised to know that there was something outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that brings up an interesting point and something I've been kind of exploring with people as well and I, I maybe it's just the conversations that I've been engaged in or attracting recently but there might be some move in, in therapy away from just being talk oriented and yeah. moving mm-hmm. more into you know connecting to the body and movement and and mm-hmm. some of the things that you talk about in the book I hope there is because you know. oh yeah yeah it is there's definitely there are practitioners who have been on journeys that might have been similar to my own who've mm-hmm. always been looking for different ways to serve their clients and get themselves out of this predicament um yeah i don't know how prevalent this is in terms of uh, conventional education and training of therapists how how deeply embodiment practices and trauma awareness have infiltrated into the conventional um matrix um yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's usually yeah. not the, the first to change it, it is a very patriarchal field uh just like most fields are uh to be yeah. fair 
like med- the individual in practitioners yeah. yeah who have been on their own journeys and have been making their own discoveries are definitely leading leading change yeah which is incredible and good and all the things so let's talk about um first i want to go back to epigenetics because i've talked about it some on the show and you know when i was first introduced to bruce lipton's work who I think he was one of the Mm -hmm. first to kind of talk about that our environment influences the expression of our genes of our cells. It's not so much that we're just born with a gene. It's whether or not it gets turned Mm -hmm. on and off. We have control over that. But, um, you know, at the time I was still in school, so that was back in the late, like 2010 ish time. But, um, Mm -hmm. when we're looking at, you know, transgenerational trauma, um, because this is a concept that I'm like so excited to see the research on and just Mm. coming out because I found as, and I, you know, you share in your book, like you don't necessarily have some of those trauma that's happened to you personally, but there's like stuff that has come up for you. Right. And I I think a lot of women that I work with either have, you know, most of us have some combination of the two, because I think Mm -hmm. all of us living in a patriarchal world can relate to not feeling like, you know, feeling unsafe being ourselves at some point. Yeah. And, and frankly, there are a lot of experiences that I just minimized, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, the conventional uh, psychological model did not acknowledge anything outside of a life-threatening experience as traumatic. Um, Yeah, these are all recent developments when we started looking um, at adverse childhood experiences as traumatic. We started recognizing a wider spectrum of of trauma. But um, um, at, at the time, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I thought, okay, it's just normal, right? I mean, everybody gets, um, you know, yelled at and scared and has experiences of abandonment and like, it's life, right? Um, so right. it didn't occur to me to count them as traumatic. And unwanted sexual experiences, well, uh, well, I wasn't held at a gunpoint, so maybe it wasn't that bad, right? right. Um, I, I am convinced, I, I hope things are changing with um, with um, the younger generations. I really hope that things are changing with all of the awareness uh, that we have now. Um but women of my generation, I don't know anyone who has not had an unwanted sexual experience. It's just just kind of came with the territory. Um, it's again, it's kind of frightening. But if we stop minimizing, if we stop like if we kind of um, step out of the this uh, imaginary competition, like. Um, does does that actually qualify as trauma and we trust our embodied experiences then we'll discover oh shit right that that did not feel good right that did not feel yeah. right i did not feel safe uh and it, yes it did create trauma adaptations and that that did uh impact me and perhaps is impacting me now so there is a lot of discovery there right? yeah yeah and I I think I've been discovering even after the book um, came out and we've, we've been we've worked with so many women since um, the book was published and their courage and their discoveries have helped me make more discoveries about my own journey 
and because we do um we do get on this healing journey, trauma healing journey in a community, which I'm now convinced is the way to go when we're working with collective trauma, intergenerational trauma. Um, uh, every time a woman discovers another layer of her experience that she maybe has not considered traumatic, uh, there is such a ripple effect throughout the community because she helps others recognize, oh my gosh, me too, me too, me too. And that alone is deeply healing. It's the opposite of living in a perpetually gaslighting society, perpetually being invalidated, invalidating and gaslighting ourselves to going, oh my gosh, what if that actually did impact me? What if this was traumatic and being really seen and heard and validated and made safe on this healing journey. So I think that there are more layers of trauma for us all to discover as we are made safe, right? As we feel safe on this journey, because that that is the number one condition for, for healing. Yeah. And I, I love that you bring that up and it's, you know, I, I found like since reading your book and some of the other work I've been doing on my own, um, just as a practitioner in on my own journey, because I think all all of us are on our own journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, finding that place that feels safe, like especially yeah. if you haven't really been in your body is is challenging. Like there's areas now I've I've been kind of playing around with, you know, I'm certified in uh, I just got certified in heart math. So like some heart focused breathing plus touch plus like just Mm-hmm. focusing my attention in different areas of my body and like some of mm-hmm. them really don't feel good like I get nauseous yeah. or I get like you know I I almost can't handle it yet and so it's like okay I keep mm-hmm. pulling out the layers and it's not necessarily that we need to know why that is or where that came from I, I don't think yeah. like as we keep uncovering it it's good but just releasing that stuff from the body is yeah, huge. yeah, it is huge. And the body, the body doesn't lie. The body doesn't forget. The body that doesn't make up mm-hmm. stories. So going directly to our experiences, not even trying to analyze them, not certainly not judging them, um, but being yeah. very, very honest with ourselves and gentle with ourselves on this healing journey. Um, this is where community support is invaluable where um, it it allows us to plug into this bigger nervous system as we co-regulate as a community. It's like going th- from a little laptop computer to plugging into this huge mainframe that can process so much more information so much faster. So um, yeah, because I've, I've had the experiences of working one-on-one with a practitioner, doing trauma work, I've used some tools by myself. I've uh, I've worked in different environments, but it wasn't until I came to experience the power of the community on this journey that I became convinced that this is the way to go. And sometimes this is very frightening because yeah. um, because right, it's uh, our trauma defenses don't want us to get on the trauma healing journey. They are protecting those places. It doesn't feel safe to go there. Um, and we, we hear a lot from women um, that that hesitation, and many of us have, have had traumatic experiences with uh, that took place in communities. 
um, be it a community of just one other person or uh, you know a larger community. And healing also lies there. So just, and again, it is so countercultural because we are living in such an individualistic culture. There is this myth that's being perpetrated that, you know, you got to figure it out yourself. You got to, it's all you, it's all you. And that's how you get to be a strong woman. And the truth is, is we are much stronger in uh, community. Yeah. And there is no, um, there, there is no, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, it's not a badge of honor to try to figure it out by ourselves, but patriarchy yeah. makes it so. Patriarchy absolutely yeah. makes it a badge of honor. That that hurts us, that hurts us in the long run. Yeah, well, it's like it's made so many things I don't know that taboo is the right word, but you know, we've, we've been so trained and I think this is an intergenerational thing just with women not really having a voice and not, you Mm -hmm. know, being viewed as important or any of that. So it's hard, you know, I I know I've had a hard time and seen in the women that I work with this, like being willing to even talk about it or feeling like, you know, they have to figure it out on their own and they have to have a certain level of it figured out before they can come and, you know, talk to anybody else. Oh, about yeah. It. Right. Isn't that so, something so. though? So yeah, I'm so happy that you and I are having this conversation. It's like these conversations that begin to pierce the bubble mm-hmm. of the, the silos of shame and something's wrong with me and I got to figure it out myself um before i talk to anybody else it's it's just so damaging and we we didn't come up with any of that it's not even our own thoughts it's um it's the patriarchal conditioning that is creating that so i hope um perhaps somebody listening right now maybe the dots begin to connect for you yeah. where your true empowerment lies it is not in trying to muscle your way through it is it's kind of the opposite it's acknowledging you know i i am not okay you know i'm not okay there's so much courage in acknowledging that i'm not okay i'm not feeling great and even if you you think you're feeling great oh you have no idea how much better it can get This, very this, true. <laughs> this has become the battle cry of the work. How good can it get? I yeah. just picked up uh, journals that we, we made um, uh, for for an upcoming retreat, and um, they say, "How good can it get on the on the spine?" And it just well, makes me and just makes me smile. Like every time I remember that none none of what I have in my life right now, not my life experience, not what is in my life, how my life is, none of that was believable. Like I wouldn't have believed that any of that would be possible. My biggest ambition, which I also didn't believe that was possible, but um, my, my biggest desire, I guess, was just to wake up and feel okay you know just just to feel okay that was my admittedly very modest but something that felt huge because i didn't think it was possible for me and and according to conventional therapy it really was not 
I uh, had repeated bouts of depression. I had incapacitating anxiety. So according to the conventional model, this is something I would live with uh, for the rest of my life. And medication was the only way for me to manage the symptoms, but I would never be symptom-free. Yeah. And I've been symptom-free for many years now. And I just want to shout off the from the rooftops that it's possible. Like what's possible for us is so much greater than we even dare imagine. Um, yeah. 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 That's, you know, one of the things that really has pulled me through my life. I share this quote all the time, the Marianne mm-hmm. Williamson quote, you know, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest mm-hmm. fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And most of us can't grasp that concept because we're so, you know, hell bent on playing small and having to do it all on our own. And yeah. And again, really that's all conditioning. That is yeah. all the, the, it's the package of trauma that has been passed down to us that, uh, the trauma adaptations of playing small are very much there and it has never been safe for women not yeah. to play small. So yeah. we come by it honestly. It's not an individual thing. It's not like, oh my gosh, like uh, you, you're really fucking up. You're playing small. Like it's, uh, it's bigger than any one of us. Yeah. And I think, it's um it would be a disservice to focus on the individual here because it is it is truly a collective condition and something that we must all participate in healing yeah. every time um any one of us reclaims more of her authentic expression more of her authentic bigness more of what she's here to be do have experience yeah, I mean, the bricks fall out of the patriarchal walls everywhere for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm really, I believe more of us need to hear this message. I'm curious about your input on this because I've found, you know, and when I've expanded a lot in my life, mm-hmm. inevitably who I come up against and get like the most pushback or cattiness or I've had some like very interesting experiences of other women kind of, I'm losing the word, but, you know, putting all their own insecurities on me, (laughs) essentially, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and, you know, I I would make the argument that a lot of who perpetuates this patriarchal society is actually women who are like Mm -hmm. so freaked out by something else. And so, you know, we tend to be really weirdly competitive and yeah critical yeah, of each other so i'm yeah, curious about your women, on that absolutely if women didn't perpetuate patriarchy it would not stand right right and it stands through women's buy-in and it's and it's a painful topic it's a very painful topic because all of us have experienced that all of us have experienced that um unhealthy toxic um, competitiveness yeah. from other women and perhaps we've been on the perpetrating side as well maybe not in the ways that we can even immediately think about but there are so many subtle ways in which we have been trained to uphold patriarchy 
in policing each other's bodies, each other's appearance, even if we don't say anything, but we judge internally, right? We compare ourselves, again, this imaginary competition, where am I ranking compared to her? Like, right, is is she winning? Am I winning? Are we kind of on par? It's so deeply encoded in our survival matrix because to survive, Patriarchy gave us the rules of survival, and um, survival has been attached to um, to men. Yeah, um, and white men specifically. So white women are really, really programmed very deeply to compete for white men, even if we don't believe that crap, even if we're like not buying into this, absolutely. Uh, but it's this is the root of this competition, right? And judging ourselves and judging others, and it's um, it's frightening. Like when we begin to discover what's living in our subconscious, even if we don't believe that at all, and yeah, it goes to show how sisterhood has been just destroyed, demolished by, by patriarchy. And, uh, and a huge part of healing is reclaiming, reclaiming that sisterhood, reclaiming, relating to ourselves and other women as, you know, sovereign beings, not, not liable to show up in a certain way, uh, looking a certain way, sounding a certain way, acting a certain way. And it, it, you know, we can only liberate other women of our own tyranny by is by liberating ourselves and it's yeah it's big the work is big yeah yeah absolutely um and it's definitely not you know none of this is individual like it will take communities and more communities to do the work to undo the -hmm. things for the you know the future generations um, yeah. And thankfully, yeah. all of it is absolutely movable. All of this is, mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing uh, what, what our thrivers experience, witnessing what they experience uh, together and uh, how, uh, how how the changes that they experience being on this trauma healing journey, how they have a ripple effect into their families, into their work in the world, into their communities. It's, it's just astonishing. I mean, uh, just a couple of stories that rocked my world lately it was a woman who joined um, our program. She's still in our program right now who she called it corporate trauma. She, she, she joined because she said, I want to feel something. I want to feel anything other than tired. So I haven't yeah. felt anything other than tired for years. And she was a very high-ranking um, professional in the IT world, very male-dominated. And um, so she did really well in her career and she had a wonderful family and everything was wonderful from the outside looking in, but she couldn't feel anything, right? Other than tired, right. it was killing her. And, and eventually it as she was on her healing journey she recognized all the toxic patterns at work that she was ready to step out of she stepped into her her passion in the world 
she's revolutionizing the the field of IT, pulling patriarchy and racism out of um, how technology works and operates. So her mission is really big, and she yeah. is now on on you know flying um flying her mission piloting her mission fully she stepped out of the corporate environment and she already has phenomenal partnerships with some leading organizations institutions who are like yes please bring this to us and all all of that became possible right as she reclaimed who she is as she reclaimed herself and being in her body like thankfully yeah. that guidance of her body was very insistent. It would have been easy to say, Oh, you know, my life is good. Why am I complaining? Um, but she wouldn't give up on her life. She wouldn't give up on feeling all her feelings. That was not okay with her not to feel anything other than tired. And um, that's, that's where the revolution begins right? By yeah. not settling. We cannot settle. We cannot drown in freaking social media and media otherwise, right? Yeah. We, we can't, we can't be complicit in forgetting who we are. Absolutely. And I love in the book, I think the part I just read um, last night was around, you know, what are we tolerating in our lives? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's- a good thing to like first you have to connect um and you also bring up a point like a lot of the work i do with women has centered around being healthy hormones kind of the perimenopause yeah era but what i'm recognizing more and more and you know same with its leadership it's business like anywhere where you're not fully expressed and showing up like you know happy (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and in yourself it's about going within it's not about you know eat this way or you know do this read this book for leadership or like whatever it is we have to go inside yeah yeah and this is somewhere our culture really 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 doesn't want us to go no anywhere else (laughs) anywhere else because when people go inside and they're in touch with their own inner knowing they're in touch with their bodies the bodies don't lie. People become unmanipulative, unmanipulatable, right? Yeah. yeah. People become sovereign beings. And um, patriarchy wouldn't stand. Racism wouldn't stand. None of the systems of oppression would stand when people actually feel their own feelings. And the foods yeah. that we've fed, right? We, we go into the supermarket and we're like, okay, let me, it's in the supermarket. That must be food, but it, right? it's not. <laughs> 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 like all of that dulls our, uh, like dulls our ability to feel like a lot of yeah. it. So yeah, it, it it's definitely uh, swimming upstream like mm-hmm. salmon. And it's um, <laughs> it's a, it's a big it's a big upstream swim, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Absolutely. Um, so, in in bringing this full circle, and we'll kind of wrap up because I know we've given everybody lots to think about. But <laughs> what mm-hmm. what recommendations? I know you talk about a few things in your book, but for women listening that are like, how you know, my initial reaction. I had a coach earlier this year say, "Where do you feel that in your body?" And I was like. What? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. So Mm -hmm. how, what recommendations do you have for just starting some of that 
embodiment journey. Like obviously having community and, and getting support around it is, is key as well. But, you know, for those who want to start to explore. Yeah. Where so, do we start? so starting with the book is a great place to start. It comes mm-hmm. with some practices that you can explore and start mapping out the terrain. Uh, so if you go to drgallery.com forward slash book, you can download um, a free chapter there, both on audio and PDF. And um, you can get your hands on um, the book resources there too. Uh, yeah. And you can purchase the book there too that uh, I've narrated for you. So I be- baked in a lot of energy. Um, I consume a lot of audiobooks, So I figured that that mm-hmm. may serve somebody else. Yeah. And um we uh, we try to make this journey very very um accessible at the entry point yes you can get your hands on the book and the tools and you can come in and experience this work in community with us um two or three times a year we hold a, a big 3 day experience uh where the, the tickets start at free of charge we try to make it really, really, really accessible for folks. Obviously, you still need to commit to showing up. And that sometimes is the hardest thing for yeah. women. And that that is actually very diagnostic too. Like, yeah, like I want to make changes in my life, but I really can't uh, carve out this time. And then my question becomes like, if you don't have the time, who has your time? Because yeah. somebody... Somebody, somebody does. Has it. <laughs> I promise has you, it. somebody yeah. has your time. So it, it, if that comes up uh, for anyone, just start with this compassionate investigation of who has your time, because it, you will need time for healing. You will need to reclaim yeah. your time. And uh, so the experience is called the Thriving Experience. The thrivingexperience.com is where you can learn more and uh, register to join us. This is where you can experience both the work and the community aspect, which um, the book cannot replicate. So make sure that you give yourself that experience. And this is where I would start. We, I mean, we we have programs as well that we open doors to on a regular basis. Um, you can learn more on um, on our website. Uh, drvalerie.com but really really starting where where you are starting with that honest deep big desire that even if you don't know exactly where you're going and how good it can get it's okay just um give yourself permission to uh, i guess revolt to not sign up for normal anymore to not sign up for it's okay i'm okay it's not that bad anymore give yourself that permission to want more because i promise you there is so much more that you get to be do have experience and it can get so much better (laughs) how good can it get so i hope that you um you 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 borrow our battle cry and that yeah. it becomes your companion on this journey. Absolutely. 
<laughs> gives me chills to think about. So, <laughs> right? Because your body yeah, knows yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, She's how do you get it? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, Dr. Valley, thank you so much for you know, coming on and my pleasure sharing, thank you for sharing your me. wisdom around us. Yeah. Absolutely. And for our listeners, I will put links to all of that in our show notes and we will see you on our next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and also leave us a review. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in the Emergent Women Community Group on Facebook for the chance to interact with me live once a week and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become the vibrant, energetic, and on-fire version of yourself we all know is under there. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about. Mm -hmm.